welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. When the season began, almost no one thought the Miami Marlins would be a playoff team. And while they aren't right now, they're also not that far out of a wildcard playoff spot. Let's face it, they're not going to win the National League East, but they are one of six or seven teams bunched up for one of three wildcard spots. They have solid pitching, and to underscore that, Sandy Alcantara was named NL Pitcher of the Month for June. But do they have enough to make a second-half playoff push? To help me answer that question and more, I welcome back Marlins expert Joe Frasero. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida sports network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper and, of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Joe Frasero has been covering the Marlins since the turn of the century, and he's been there pitch by pitch this season as they hover around 500. Joe! Thanks for joining me. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Tim, good to be back. How are you doing? Ah, very good. So, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, the pitching for the Marlins has been really good, but we're going to get to that in a second. That's their strong suit. I want to talk a little bit about this offense. So, you know, do, do the Marlins have the type of offensive firepower to hang with some of these teams and actually make a late season, you know, postseason push? Well, that's, that's a big question, Tim. And, you know, right now they're down a couple of their you know, kind of their key players, obviously Jazz Chisholm Jr. He's He's been on the IL for about a week now with that lower back uh, strain. And um, Jorge Soler, who's kind of been up and down, mostly down, but is a huge threat, you know, in presence in the middle of the lineup. He's also out, uh, I think also like a little back injury, you know, issue as well. Both are at the training complex in, in Jupiter, Florida, uh, rehabbing, doing core work, but they haven't really started baseball work. So, you know, you, you're chipping in, you know, losing two, you know, regulars. But they did on the flip side get Joey Wendell back from the IL and Brian Anderson, and both are hitting the ground running pretty well. But, you know, to be a team, like you say, that could end for the playoffs, uh, you know, they're going to need all these guys back. And if they're just going to be, you know, kind of half of them back, then they may have to do something by the trade deadline if they hang around to to improve the offense. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the trade deadline in a little bit too, but I want to start with Jazz Chisholm. You know, leading the team in home runs, RBIs, steals, you know, been injured for the past week or so. Um, how is the prognosis looking? Is he just expected to come back once the injury is done, or do you foresee him being out a little bit longer? And also, I just kind of wanted to talk about his season as a whole. You've seen some social media dust-ups, especially with manager Don Mattingly. So, you know, how is he doing, and how is that relationship with his manager right now? Yeah, I mean, jazz is jazz. You know, he's a very, you know, personable guy. He He's very active on social. He doesn't really keep much under his hat. You know, if he has something to say, he says it. And, you know, almost to a fault, you know. Uh, but when he's performing, uh, you know, a lot more is tolerated. Uh, when you're not, then, you know, sometimes the act gets old. But, you know, he was performing at a time the team wasn't. But, you know, maybe some of his, uh, his, daily routine, uh, maybe, you know, showing up a little late from time to time, uh, was rubbing some people the wrong way that prompted the meeting. 
that gained a lot of uh, a lot of attention a couple of weeks ago. But they kind of followed that meeting up by by winning a bunch of games, and then Jazz got hurt, and they're and they won six in a row without him. Um, but you know they they clearly are a better team with Jazz, and you know that's the big question. You know lower back back issues can be very bothersome. Uh, you know because he he was kind of playing through it a little bit. I think it kind of hurt his numbers. You know slightly. It was occasionally hitting a home run, but the overall production was starting to dip. And and now that he's on the injured list, sadly, you know he's had a remarkable year, no doubt, and uh, kind of more of a breakout year, not just as a player, but his personality. Uh, you know, to, when you're a Miami Marlin and you're leading a fan vote for the All Star Game, that hasn't happened since 2017 with Marcelo Zuna, and before that didn't happen until like 2008 through 10 with Hanley Ramirez, where the fans voted a Marlin into the starting lineup. So it's very rare. And here they are there in the process of doing that. And unfortunately, he's out. And the prognosis for the All-Star game in a couple of weeks isn't looking very good for him, even if he's voted in as the starter, for him to actually be able to play. That doesn't look real good at this point. And you hate that for him and the organization because of all the attention um, and what what being an All-Star means and being around All-Stars for those few days what that could do. I thought that would work wonders for Sandy Alcantara back in 2019. He kind of came back a different pitcher. Uh, so, you know, Jazz looks like he's going to miss that, but the big issue is will he come back and be able, because he relies so much on his athleticism, if his back is that issue, um, you know, that that hurts the team and, and obviously for himself personally uh, what he is capable of doing. Yeah, those back injuries, they seem to be so common among baseball players. And you're right, a guy who's known for speed and power, that's going to be tough. And, you know, the funny thing about Jazz Chisholm to me is if he was like an an NFL or an NBA player, his type of personality would be, you know, celebrated. He would be a celebrity. But in baseball, it's almost like the powers that be want to contain that personality. So, I mean, don't you don't you kind of wish that they just let him alone and let him more be himself? Um. Kind of disagree, uh, you know. Even in, in the NFL, the Odell Beckham, uh, you know, their personality becomes a rub, and he bounces around from team to team, and isn't always embraced. And um, there's there's a line, and I think baseball kind of put themselves in this interesting spot because clearly they want to bring out personality of of young players, and you know, he's from the Bahamas, Jazz is, or if they're a Latino player. Um, it, it's almost though they kind of want to define what that is. Don't really, you can't really, because each individual is who he is, you know. Um, and and jazz, I personally love him. I, there's so much about him I, I like. But uh, in a team environment, you also have team rules. So it's um, you know you're you're accountable not just to yourself, but to 26, you know, 25 other teammates and your coaching staff and your fan base and so forth. Uh, so there, there is lines, and I'm not saying Jazz crossed any egregiously, and this is a huge, huge issue. But you know, you do have to kind of get along with your coworkers, you know, just in general. And uh, and over 162, you know, you literally are as someone who's been on the beat forever, and, and you know, knows what it's like to be on the road with these guys and being away from your family and so forth. That you're around each other so much that you do have, you know, over the course of a year, just like most families, you have your moments where not everyone's uh, happy with each other. So sometimes that tends to be overblown, 
but I don't think it's a, oh, the old guys uh, don't like the young guy. You know, I don't, I don't want to box it into that type of uh, typecast either, but, you know, because Jazz is accountable to get along with his, his teammates and his coaching staff as well. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy to being around a family. And, you know, sometimes you do get a little confined. So I have to definitely agree with you there. Um, you know, let's move along to Garrett Cooper. You know, here's a guy who's having his finest season in the big league since he debuted in 2017 with the Yankees. Now, he wasn't part of that Giancarlo Stanton trade with the Yankees, but he was traded with Caleb Smith to the Marlins for Michael King and what is referred to as international bonus slot money. So that's not exactly glamorous, but he's paying off. So what has been the difference to his improvement this season? And will he still be with the team when the trade deadline that you mentioned comes in a few weeks? Because I've heard his name thrown around as somebody that other teams are looking at possibly acquiring. Yeah. Um, well, first, why is he performing better? Well, he, he's been healthy this year. You know, if you look at his track record, you know, there were a couple of seasons where I think he played maybe a dozen or so games. And, you know, just because he, he's been on the IL so much last year, he, uh, I believe it was in June, he had the, the elbow injury that required surgery and knocked him out. And, um, and you know, he's a, he's a good, solid hitter. I like to see more power. We joke about that with him a lot because he has six homers. He's, but he's hitting over 300. His OPS is um, over 800. So he's having a he's having a really solid you know offensive season. And he's you know he's one of their better pure hitters. And um, and he's a threat. You know he had a big homer the other day that helped uh, win the Sandy Alcantara game. And you know you he you like him in the top near the top or the middle of your order. And as for um, him being a possible trade candidate, I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, you know, I think that the Marlins, their six-game winning streak, were, you know, uh, ended on Wednesday night against Otani and the Angels. But, you know, they've been playing very good baseball, and they feel they're back in it because they're only like three or so games out of the third wild card spot. So they're going to need, as, as you know, you noted earlier, they're going to need as much offense as they can, as they can and they're going to need as much depth. But I think if I'm the Marlins, I'm also open to, creative trades if there's something that if Cooper brings you back something that helps you this year and it's not more of a sell situation it's more of a just maybe give your your lineup or your your team a little different feel to help you win in 22 and and be controllable pieces for the next few years I could see him being part of a trade like that but um, more of the traditional oh the Marlins are out of it so any you know, veteran player who's got decent numbers can be moved. I don't think he's one that's at the forefront that they want to move, but I'm sure they'd listen if there's something that makes sense that they could, you know, maybe go down that lane. Well, I guess we'll have to keep an eye on that one. Now, you mentioned Jorge Soler. He was one of their big money free agent signings in the offseason. And while he's one of the team leaders in homers and RBIs, you see that batting average hovering around the Mendoza line. So is, is that because he's been injured or is he just, you know, kind of been a hit or miss type of guy? And do you think he's been worth the money that the Marlins shelled out for him? Well, OK, what is it, three years, 36 million. So, you know, 12 million a year. Um that's probably a fair contract for him, maybe a little bit higher than what the market would have offered, you know, some other teams, but probably in that neighborhood, you know, with the world series MVP a year ago with the Braves, he, he had a year only a few years ago where he hit 40, 48 homers, I believe it was in Kansas city. And, you know, you see that immense, you know, power, he's not going to hit for a super high batting average, but if he slugs and, you know, I, I, I care more if he slugs close to 500 than if he bats close to the 300. 
Um, that's the type of player he is. He's going to strike out a lot. He's very streaky. He's always been that way. I also think, you know, he's a good guy and, and he's got residence in South Florida anyway. Um, you know, he's from the, he's Cuban, you know, so, um, a lot of the market and I think the team was, you know, hoping that, you know, that would attract fans. And so he has a comfort zone here. And I think it's common with a lot of these players who sign contracts with free agents. They either come home or whatever. I think they put a little extra weight on themselves um, to to perform and, and try to live up to the expectation. And also, Tim, keep this in mind. Remember, he signed late in spring training. You know, it was it was more, I believe, uh, after about a week or two, and he only had like a what a three or so week, you know, spring training anyway. So, you know, guys uh, guys already were dealing with a preparation issue with baseball in, in spring training because it was such a short one through the lockout and. And so I think that I think all those factors come in, you know, surrounding yourself uh, in a new in a new organization. Again, I I also think you know Donnie kind of a, you know mentioned it about a week or so before he went on the IL when he was struggling, and he said, well, you know, Soler and Garcia are dealing with some injuries, and they're playing through some things. That was the first time I had heard them, you know, at least publicly note that they were a little banged up. So yeah, you couple all that, and uh, has he been worth it? Yeah, obviously, when you're underperforming, you'll say no. But I also think it was a fair contract. And the main thing with him, I think, you know, he's also been a second half player. So if he could come back healthy, I think he could definitely be someone that helps power your way, you know, closer to the playoffs. As you know, will be their expectation. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him get that batting average up to maybe about 230, but I guess we'll see. You know, one of the guys I always think about when I was... I like a little more 230. <laughs> <laughs> when I say slugging, I don't want I don't want 600 slugging and 100 batting average. You know, I like to see, you know, you, you got to try to get on base over 32% of the time. So you, usually your batting average helps you get closer to that. Well, you know, I, I always think of guys like Rob Deere in the 80s who would hit 208, but he'd have 35 homers and 90 RBIs. So he always had like a place in the lineup somewhere. Yeah. yeah and, and, and Tim, you know, don't get me wrong. You you want those complete hitters. He kind of like Cooper's kind of the, the other side of that. Doesn't hit the home runs. He, uh, he should. And but, you know, he's on base more. And so um, you, you can you need guys like Soler, guys that will give you that 30 homers, 80, 100 RBIs. Well, you just can't have a whole lineup of 220, 30 homer guys because then you're just an all-or-nothing team and you're very easily easy to, to pitch for. And you usually don't have very long winning streaks because you're streaky. Because, boy, if it's that easy to hit homers every day, everyone would be doing it. <laughs> well, yeah, I hearken also back to Sean Dunstan of the Chicago Cubs. They used to have the Sean-O-Meter, and about midseason he'd be hitting about 220. Yet, always by the end of the season, the Sean-O-Meter would slowly creep up to about 275. So maybe maybe some Marlins fans can steal that type of idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the thing, like, that's a good point, too, because Soler does have a track record, and, and so does, you know, obviously, Alex Garcia, who, who signed for, like, over $50 million. You know, I, I anticipate they, being healthy, obviously, you can't, if you're hurt, your production won't necessarily be. But they, they usually tend to gravitate towards their career numbers and, May be there because of their slower starts. Will be a, a take under it, but I still think they'll kind of be in that neighborhood if if they stay healthy the rest of the way. 
All right. Well, we'll keep our eye on that too. But let's talk about some pitching now because, you know, Sandy Alcantara, he has been solid. As I mentioned earlier, the June uh, National League Pitcher of the Month. You've also got Pablo Lopez. He's been really good. He's been a pleasant surprise. So for those not familiar with this staff, you know, talk about these two pitchers plus some of the other guys that have been keeping the Marlins going because pitching really has been their strong suit. Yeah, yeah, they're starting pitching as, you know, they, they're kind of built that way. You know, they're, they're in a pitcher's park, and they, they kind of recognize, you know, when they had Stanton back in 17, they had the hitting, but they, you know, after Jose, you know, died in 16, they just didn't have the pitching to sustain. They thought they were hopeful to get, but with back-end type players, but it never worked out. So Sandy, as you know, and Pablo Lopez, they're more of the front-end starters. Those are, you know, really good. Those are two guys that pretty much every team would want Uh um, you know, even though they were both acquired in trades, they're they're still kind of homegrown because they were kind of had that prospect status and when they kind of hit the big leagues. And I think Mel Stoudemire Jr., the the pitching coach, has done a really good job with both of them and in their mechanics and them, you know, kind of bringing out their their tools and and in their approach. And um, they're a good two one two punch. And I, you know, the clubhouse notes that if they somehow get to the playoffs in a short series. You know, having those two guys it gives the Marlins a very good chance of winning on any night against any team. Um, that's where the offense will come in, is whether they can score enough for them. But, um, yeah, both these guys, like I said, Sandy a couple of years ago, he, he made the All-Star game in 19, but that's because everyone needed an All-Star at the time. You know, well, they still do. You know, every team has a representative. But when Sandy went and he came back, he got better as the year went on and, and been better and better and better and to the point where, you can make the argument he's the best pitching, you know, starting pitcher in baseball. Uh, statistically, he's way up there with with the best, and he's certainly the most uh, dependable in terms of giving you innings. He leads the majors in innings pitch. He's kind of on pace for about two hundred thirty something innings, which hasn't been done by a Marlin and maybe since Don Trail in like two thousand five, and it, and it hasn't been done in baseball for about six or seven years. So. Uh, whether he can sustain going, you know, he, he against the Angels when when eight innings and he's got at least a, he's got eleven starts with at least seven innings and that hasn't been done in a few years by any pitcher in the big leagues and uh, so you know electric stuff, you know, ninety seven to one hundred with the fastball, he has a really good sinker, gets a lot of ground balls and he's got a wipeout changeup, which you know you're you're looking for. You know, 98 to 100 mile an hour fastball. It looks like that, and it's 92, and it just the, you know, the bottom falls out. So it's really hard for hitters to hit. Pablo isn't as electric as Sandy in terms of his you know velocity, but it's still plenty good in that 94, 95, 96 occasionally. But one of the best changeups in, in baseball, and you know that's such a deceptive pitch uh, because it looks like a fastball because the arm action is the same as the fastball. And next thing you know, it's, here you see it now. It's off the you know off the charts and. Uh, durability has been a bit of an issue with, with Pablo. He's, he's been hurt, you know, in the second half of many seasons. Uh, he stays healthy. That's the Marlins, you know, vehicle to get to the playoffs. They're going to need their pitching. Um, a little bit of a disappointing year for Trevor Rogers. The National League Rookie of the Year runner-up last year to jump in India. Uh, the Reds and, and, you know, Trevor had a big high expectations this year, but it just hasn't kind of panned out for him. He shows flashes, but not the consistency. And then they dealt with some injuries to, to some other guys. So you're now you're you're down to a couple of, of left-handers and uh, Daniel Castano and Preston Garrett, who both have 
pitched really well in the in the limited times they've been on the rotation. But they're going to need those guys to perform. But they're going to need to get Ed Cabrera back, Jesus Lazardo, who's a uh, you know from South Florida, a native, and he's you know he's been out for a couple of months with a kind of forearm, elbow, whatever they want to officially call it. But he he's throwing. Sixto Sanchez, a pretty talented prospect, is you know is throwing. But you know he's been dealing with injury. And, you know, kind of the, the pitching prospect Marlon fans want to see is Max Meyer, who was their first round pick, the number three overall pick in 2020 draft. And he's in AAA Jacksonville right now. And he's kind of knocking on the door for that big league call up. He dealt a little bit of, with, of an issue of, of kind of a forearm tightness or whatever they, again, whatever they wanted to call it. Um, and, but he's pitching at a pretty high level. And if, and, you know, a lot of Marlon fans think it's just a matter of when he's going to get the call up, but I could see him at some time in the second half, you know, if they're where they want to be, uh, pitching valuable innings for them. Well, when you look at this staff, and it's always great to have that one-two punch, obviously, especially if you can make it into the playoffs, but when you look at the other teams vying for the wild card spot, who are right now generally the Giants, Phillies, Cardinals, Padres, Braves, you know, does the Marlins starting lineup uh, and their pitching. How do you think it stands up to those teams? Can it stand up to those teams? Um, it, I kind of, when the season started, Tim thought this was like a seventy-five to seventy-eight win team, and they're kind of trending to be that. And you know, that's certainly not going to be good enough. But when you look at it from a ninety-five loss team a year ago, that's tremendous strides forward. But a lot can happen in the second half in terms of, I, I think, the wild card. I think you're you're going to look at at least two teams in the West with the Dodgers or the Padres. I anticipate both of them, you know, being in the playoffs, one winning division, one in the wild card. The Braves and the Mets, I anticipate, you know, one of them, both of them being in the, in the playoffs. So that's now four of the six spots are taken up. So it kind of takes me if everything pans out. And obviously, we have a half, another half of baseball to go. Who knows what injuries and performance is going to look like by everyone, but the way it's trending, it looks like the Brewers, and then you've got the Cardinals who have kind of slumped lately, but they, they've faced, you know, the, the Braves, and, you know, they, they've had a bit of a tough schedule. The Marlins on the flip side have had an easy schedule, and so the Cardinals now are vulnerable, and as you know, the San Francisco Giants are right there, and, and then you got the Philadelphia Phillies who are also ahead of the Marlins in standing, so. Uh, I think you've got those teams vying for what I think is one, you know, which would be the sixth wildcard spot. Yeah, it's going to be close. It'll be a fun finish, though. I'll tell you what, especially the Marlins, they seem streaky. So it seems like they'll lose four or five, but then they'll win six or seven. So, you know, you're right. They'll probably be hovering right around that 500 mark. Yeah, Tim, real fast, too. Uh, the sixth wildcard, remember, they, they, they baked that into the new CBA with the, the additional wildcard. Now, if that didn't exist, I think it would be, you know, the Marlins probably be looking to sell by, you know, even a couple of games under where realistically they probably think, you know, there's just too much ahead of us. If we could get something for a couple of our relievers or player to uh, let's make trades now and let's score 23. But because of that extra wild card now, does it mean there's more mediocrity? Absolutely. But it's also increased uh, interest and in, in made for you know, what's going to be meaningful games for for about three, four, or five teams that otherwise it wouldn't be meaningful games. 
Yeah, I'm really glad they added it because it definitely makes baseball a lot more fun and interesting to keep more teams in it. But, you know, uh, let's talk about the future of this team because, uh, you know, as well as doing this podcast, I'm also the sports editor for the Times Union in Jacksonville, and we keep a close eye on the Jumbo Shrimp up there, which is the AAA International League team for the Marlins. And there's all sorts of good things going on there. So I'm going to throw a couple of names at you, and then we'll, we'll hear what you think. So, you know, first and foremost, there there's a player named Joe Dunand, who is the nephew of Alex Rodriguez. He got called up in early May when a couple of their third basemen were unavailable, and he promptly homered in his first major league at bat. And he was only the third Marlin ever to do it, uh, but aside from Jeremy Ermita in 2005 and Mitch Linden in 93. Now, Dunand has since been released and picked up by the Atlanta Braves, but the organization also has some other good stars. So about two weeks ago, Gerard Encarnacion topped Dunand by hitting a grand slam in his first major league at bat. Now, Encarnacion is 24, and there's another 24-year-old prospect named J.J. Blade, who leads the Jumbo Shrimp with 17 home runs. So might we see one of those two contribute to the big league team as the year goes on? Um, Encarnacion is um, is the guy I've liked for several years because his power just jumps off the charts. Uh, yeah, he's got... Um, you know, I think he and JJ are about the same age, usually 24, 25. And, um, you know, he's already on the 40-man roster, so that increases his opportunity for being the the first of those two called up. JJ, of course, was the, the fourth overall pick in, in 2019 draft out of Vanderbilt, was very decorated in college, but hasn't, you know, statistically, uh, you know, he's gotten off to slow starts and, in pretty much every level, and even this year, but he's coming off with the power. But he's another guy's batting average. You know, a Triple A is under 230, uh, but it was better than 210, which it was a few weeks ago. So he is he is trending that way. He showed good power, uh, you know, when he connects, and uh, you know, just a, a good approach. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure JJ's ready uh, to contribute and. I think he's more of if they're out of it and they just want to give a look, he's more of, to me, a September type call-up to play. But if they're in the mix and they need an extra bat, I think Encarnacion would be kind of an off-the-bench option that they would go to before J.J. Bledet. All right. Well, and the the Jumbo Shrimp are also vying for the top of their division, so it's kind of fun keeping an eye on some minor league baseball, too. Um, you know, just a couple more things, and then I'll let you go. Uh, so the Marlins front had the front office shakeup continue when the team fired the vice president of player development and scouting, Gary Denbo, last week. And Denbo is one of Derek Jeter's first hirings and a mentor of sorts to Jeter from his Yankee days. Yeah, Jeter bowed out before the season. So it seemed like an odd time for a firing, given that the team is kind of in the middle of a potential playoff push. So what can you tell about this move and who will they be repl- or who have they replaced him with? This background, like, um, yeah, Gary Denbo was like a hitting instructor with the Yankees when when Jeter was playing. And when Jeter had one of those years where he had a a rough spell, like he was like 0 for 28 or something, or 1 for 28, uh, Denbo, like, worked closely with him. And and he's been a kind of a confidant. So when when Derek, you know, was part of the the ownership group when they they came on board after the 17th season, it was Dembo was kind of brought in as, you know, kind of the overseer of, of uh, player development and with the title of player development and scouting. So he was over all that department and, and you know, very much had a say 
in in every move that they did. And, and Derek at the time had that final say, uh, even with Michael Hill here as you know president of baseball ops. And and basically when Derek left, it was it kind of made Gary lame duck. You know, he still was under contract, and you know, because remember Derek left like like a day, like a week or so before the season. You know, before the labor agreement was reached and the and spring training started. And so I, I just think they kind of spent time with Gary in a, in a buyout situation. It's not like he was based kind of in Jupiter anyway, not in downtown Miami working next to Kim Ang, the GM, being around the team as much. So, you know, they all the other department heads just kind of did more. And, and Kim Ang uh, became more, you know, she became the final say instead of Derek. And why did the the agreement come, which, you know, I think it's, whatever you want to call it, firing, parting ways, whatever. I, I haven't heard it officially, but it sounds like they just, to me, they they just got to buy out. And, you know, he wasn't having much of a voice that went on this year anyway. And But I think with the draft and the trade deadline, you know, the draft this month, the All-Star Games this month, the trade deadlines this month, uh, just to not have any type of, to make sure everyone was on the same page. I actually wrote about it in one of my five takeaways, uh, I believe it was either last week or the week before, um, that I do that runs in, at the Palm Beach Post and, and a number of the other cadet papers. I kind of noted they want to kind of a unified unified front, make sure everyone's on the same page in these you know decisions and they don't have anyone with a philosophical or uh, difference. So I think that the timing being now is to avoid any potential headaches that might arise with not everybody agreeing on a player or, or a certain trade and, and creating anything else that distractions in the room. Well, the good news is it sounds like the, the Marlins front office really does have a, a strong plan. So it seems as though their, their future is bright and sounds like a mutual parting of ways, I guess, with a little bit of buyout sprinkled yeah, in there. Possible. It's, it's kind of like when a manager gets fired, usually the bench coach always leaves too. With the bench coach is sort of the, the closest confidant of the manager. You know, because then, so it, it just sounds, you know, that's kind of what it was there. I, it, I think, you know, people don't always realize that it, it's not like Gary was right there with Kim side by side, you know, hey, let's do this. No, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. But, you know, you know how it is. It's in business and it's, and it's, and especially in sports, you you tend to deal with people that you you trust, and and you know Jeter didn't trust many, and Gary was his guy, and you know so it's like uh, it was kind of expected. So now it is time for predictions, Joe. Heading into the second half of the season here, who do you like to come out of the National League? Is it the resurgent Mets? Is it the big spending Dodgers? Or is it the pesky Brewers? Who, who do you see coming out of this thing? You're talking to go to the World Series, not win division. Yes, correct. To win the World Series or to go to the World Series. Yeah. Gosh, you know, I may, I may go with the Braves again. I think the Braves might be even without Freddie Freeman. You know, the Dodgers would kind of be the safe one, but I, I kind of think the Braves are kind of finding their stride, and the Mets have some injury stuff. I think that the Dodgers have dealt with you know some injuries and. Um, as well, uh, but you know, Mookie Best is back, and, and they're the Dodgers. But I'm not sure their pitching is going to hold up as much. Um, and, and the Braves, you know, it, the safe answer is always who makes the best trade by the end of the month. Uh, that's usually the one. But uh, and uh, Alex Anthopoulos also is 
shown a willingness to to make a move. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Braves uh, get back to the World Series. All right. And who will they be playing? Will it be the dominant Yankees, or who do you see? Maybe the Astros coming out of the American League? Well, the Astros always seem to find a way, right? They, they get to the World Series and always win it, but they, they get there. Uh, I mean, you could say hook or crook, but, you know, you, you know <laughs> they... They, you know, Dusty has, has done a great job with them, and you know they they have a great system. Verlander's been a great story for them. They haven't missed, you know, Carlos Correa like they thought. But you know, the Yankees have been what have they got like over fifty five wins or something like that already. What they on pace for like a hundred ten, hundred eleven wins? They their bullpen is ridiculous. Their lineup is ridiculous. Uh, um, you know, they they have a lot going, and they have a willingness to. to and they got a farm system that probably could land them a Brian Reynolds or, you know, an outfielder there, center fielder from the, from the Pirates if they want to go make a big trade to solidify whatever little weakness they have. So um, I could see the Yankees uh, and the Braves. I, I could see that happening. And I could see the Yankees. If you're asking me the next one, I think the Yankees win that series. All right. I'd sign up for that. It would be entertaining. And I love it. It looks like they have professional wrestlers batting. That's how big those guys are on the Yankees. So. Well, I'm a Stanton fan too. I wouldn't mind seeing Stanton get to the World Series, and, you know, and doing doing some some really good things and building a Hall of Fame res- resume, and I think a World Series and him getting 500 homers at some point. He's trending that way. Uh, I think that could help him, you know, get in that conversation to be a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. Oh, I agree. So, is there anything else you want to get out there before I let you go, Joe? No, I think we covered a lot of ground. You know, I, I think the Marlins have made it a lot more fun. I think the Rays, you know, we're, I don't know how much listenership we have over in the west part of the state, but uh, every time I'm ready to count the Rays out, they, they bounce back, you know, and if they get some of these pitchers healthy, you know, the Rays can, you know, can fight to be in that playoff hunt too, you know, the, with the wild cards. Shane McClanahan is, is as good as anyone, and, Oh, yeah, that's one other thing. I'd like to see the All-Star starters be represented by the state of Florida. I'd like to see Sandy Alcantara with the Marlins uh, start for the National League and, and Shane McClanahan of the Tampa Bay Rays start for the American League. I think that would be great for Florida baseball. I'm not sure how the world would uh, view it, but, you know, both are deserving. If they, if you look at numbers and, and talent, and neither one would embarrass their organization or their league. Yeah, you know, it's funny with the Rays. There is a team that every year they're right in the thick of it, but you never really hear much about them. So Kevin Cash must enjoy being able to continue to win but avoid the limelight. <laughs> yeah, it must be that good to be that proficient, not not care, and just somehow get it done, and then and then people lose to you and they all complain. How do they see this? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, you know <laughs> it's a lot of fun, just like doing these podcasts with you. It's a lot of fun, Jeff. There you go. Well, I appreciate that. Tell people, Joe, where can they find all of your great work aside from at palmbeachpost.com? We also post your work at jacksonville.com for the Times Union. And if people want to follow along on social media, where can they find all of your work? Yeah, you can follow me. I have my name either at Sarah at, you know, F-R-I-S-A-R-O, you know, pushed together, or at Man on 2ND, Man on Second Baseball. And I have my Man on Second podcast on the Five Reasons YouTube channel, and as well as it streams on the on my Man on Two ND account as well on Twitter. So um, yeah, I'm getting out there. It's having it's fun. It's fun doing those those columns for, for the the Post and Gannett. And, and, and you know you know you know our story with Nick McLeese and as far back as we go. And my 
you know, 18 years at MLB.com. It's fun to get my voice out there a little more than as well as uh, as typing. Talking is easier than writing. <laughs> I agree with you there. Well, Joe, it's always great. I appreciate you being here. And hopefully we can talk again soon as the Marlins uh, continue to stay in it and make a playoff push. Anytime, Tim. You have a good one. All right, you too. And that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters. And this week, I'll quote the founder of the Marlins, H. Wayne Huizenga Sr. Some people dream of success, while other people get up every morning and make it happen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.